Did I make it? I shouldn't be able to do this. Somehow, this isn't a fixed place in time. Hey guys, Future Mike here with a warning. What you're about to hear contains gobs and gobs of spoilers for the Doctor Who 50th anniversary. The likelihood that you haven't seen it, if you wanted to by now, at this point, is, is kind of slim. But even if one Whovian's dreams were crushed here, we would never be able to forgive ourselves. So, if you're looking for Mike and Luke to talk about awesome shiny things and wonderful gaming widgets to buy your loved ones, or you know exactly what Gallifrey Stands is in reference to, feel free to listen on. If not, turn back now. Only sadness and heartache will await you should you proceed. I should be going now so past Mike and Luke can get back to the business of entertaining you. Oh, I almost forgot. Wait for it... There. That should take care of that little problem you had. You should really update your antivirus software more often. Enjoy the episode. Future Mike out. Well, hey guys, welcome back to Game Store Profits, the show where geeks get together to talk about God. This is episode 63, and my name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. Mike, man, I feel like, I mean, we only record every two weeks. I feel like so much has happened over these last two weeks. We've launched Inroads Ministries. Which has had a really great showing, and a lot of you guys have come out to, to view the site, and we really do appreciate it. We hope to hear more from you guys. We, we'd love to get more comments and stuff like that, but you guys have been coming out, and we appreciate that. Uh, there's a little holiday known as Thanksgiving. It's just a, a small and, little holiday. And uh, another holiday for some people called Black Friday, oh. which, uh, you know, maybe for some people that's even more significant than Thanksgiving. I don't know. And, oh yeah, the doctor turned 50. He certainly, certainly did. Uh, so, folks, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff uh, today. I think, though, uh, as we get into it, man, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was good. It was it was spent with the in-laws this year. We try to alternate okay. because both sets of families are so close for us. So, okay, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, both sets, her parents and my parents are both real close. And uh, so we've decided that we're going to alternate. One family is going to get Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve. The other family will get Christmas Day. So, <laughs> All right. it, it's just the way we do things. Everybody's got to figure out a way. So this year, Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve belong to my wife's family. And it was cool. It was a very sedate, especially for me, it was a very sedate kind of Thanksgiving, very laid back, because it was pretty much her sister, her parents, and us. And I'm used to a family sit-down dinner of, like, 18 people, so this, this was a pretty laid-back year for me. I can, I can imagine Perna Thanksgivings are slightly raucous and, you know, with, like, uh, I, I don't know, maybe Uncle... Uncle, I don't know, Steve that shows up in his Winnebago and, <laughs> you know. Hey, uh, hey, hey, we're, we might be weird, but we're not National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I don't know. See, I think that that's you. I picture your family that way. I mean, I've heard about your Christmases, so you are Christmas Vacation. Yeah, you're probably uh, not far off. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you, Luke? How was, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was great. We, I had a country Thanksgiving. Uh as uh, I've mentioned on the show before, we live out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, some of our good friends who live farther out into the middle of nowhere than we do uh, invited us to Thanksgiving. Uh, and so, you know, this is, it's let's put it this way, it is without cell coverage. That's where 
Ooh, we were way for back out there in the boonies. And there's not too many places left in the in the civilized world that don't have cell coverage. Uh, but it was real nice. I got to hang out with them, spend some time on their little property. Uh, got to see their their gigantically pregnant goats and. Uh, Talk about how to fix a wood chipper, and uh, you know, I just love that... the, every once in a while we'll say a phrase on here that just makes me stop and give pause. Gigantically pregnant goats, yes. definitely well, this episode uh, sentence. You know, uh, and uh, just had a great, a great kind of down home, old fashioned, the way the world used to be, Thanksgiving. And uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. I miss that. I'm. I miss some of those old traditions. Think, you know, look, we're sitting here doing a podcast right now, so don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not like a Luddite or anything. But but I miss some of those old traditions, some of that simpler life. And uh, so it was really cool, especially on Thanksgiving, to be able to kind of take that in and celebrate that. And, uh, you know, be able to just stop for a little while and get away from all of the technology and all the busy pace of life and... And uh, be out in a place where, you know, they burn wood to stay warm. And that's pretty cool. I support this. So, yeah, did that. Did, that, did not do Black Friday. Uh, I have only done Black Friday, I think, once in my whole life. Uh, and really, uh, you know, one thing is that I don't... Our family, the people that I know, we don't really want anything that is on the typical Black Friday sale. You know, and just as an example, you can't go get cool board games on Black Friday sale. You know, that doesn't happen. But I'm just not willing to be out there that early in the morning or that late at night, depending. It's not that much of a savings. Uh, But maybe you do. I don't know. What do you think about Black Friday? I had to wade neck deep in Black Friday this year. Not not like the craziness. I didn't have to deal with the craziness, like the early morning or the super late night. Uh, because oddly enough, I had to work. <laughs> but um, what happened was is that my headphones that I used to record this podcast broke. Okay. I was I was sitting here. It was late at night. I wanted to make sure that my wife didn't get woken up by the things that I was doing out here in the office. So I had my headphones on, and the sound just cut out. They had finally gone to to their their great reward, and I knew we would be recording. And so I I had to get a pair of headphones because we do this over Skype. The feedback would have been ridiculous had I not had these headphones. A little message there for anybody who's thinking about doing podcasting. Wear headphones. Wear headphones. It it helps. But I... I, The the type of places that you're talking about, the type of things that go on sale on Black Friday, happen to be the exact same stores that sell headphones. Yeah, those Venn diagrams certainly do overlap. Yeah, they're pretty much a circle. So I had to go out to my local Best Buy and try to get myself a pair of headphones. And and my gosh, I it, I mean, the last time I was involved in Black Friday, I was on the other side of the counter and was, was working in retail. And I remembered why I don't miss that. <laughs> it, I, I was there at an odd time. Like, it was like 5.30, like after I was done with work. So it wasn't like during the big rush, it wasn't during, you know, the the craziness that ensues or the super big sales. It was just the end of that, the, the tail end of that day. And it was still, I, I found myself, I, I, I love crowds. 
I walk into a crowd of people and and I am perfectly at home, but these people made me nervous. (laughs) I saw whole families there and they were shopping and looking at stuff and I'm like, I just want to get my thing and get out. Can I uh, I make one Black Friday request? I know it's too late, but we can make it for next year. Sure. People, don't hide stuff. Oh, that's annoying. It's so annoying. So... I actually went to the pre-Black Friday Friday sale at Walmart because now they did have you to. Find, did you find people had squirreled away things already? And they had squirreled away things. <laughs> That's annoying. And uh, but I did finally find it. So there, I did kind of do Black Friday. It was a week before Black Friday. Black Friday, since apparently Walmart is going to have like a whole month of Black Fridays now. I don't know, but uh, that was as close as I could get, and the place was already too packed, and I kind of started shaking after a few minutes, you know, and uh, bought my thing and ran. There you go. Uh, but you know what? Hey, for people, maybe, that's like a sport, man. For people who love that and who do like, you know, the the like full-on research ahead of time and can can min-max their uh, their Black Friday experience, good on you. I've, I've uh, got friends who would set up pseudo-war rooms regarding Black Friday. They would have, like, the flyers from eight different department stores and everything like that and say, okay, we go here to get this, and then you go here to get this. These guys, by that point, will have run out of this, but these guys have it, so we need to make sure we hurry back to that. Absolutely. Uh, and so, folks, maybe if you did that today... You did the Black Friday craziness this uh, this week or already. Part of this show's not going to be terribly helpful for you, since you've probably already done with your Christmas shopping. Uh, but we're going to do this show in two parts. The first part, we're going to be talking about our f- top five uh, gifts for gamers for this Christmas. And then, in the second part, I'm not going to say half, I'm going to say part, because I have a feeling it's going to take more than half of the show. Uh, we'll be talking about the Doctor Who event, the global simulcast event of the Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary celebration. Uh, and folks, we are warning you, we're probably ha- you've probably already been warned. In fact, I am imagining that Mike <laughs> did a timey-wimey thing, and he has warned you already. Future but, Mike may have already been, you know, warning the people. Yeah, we're going to warn you like 17 more times. Uh, spoilers. Okay? <laughs> we uh, we are coming hard with the spoilers a little bit later in this episode. But before we do that, we are talking about Christmas gifts. Uh, Mike, I am guessing that there is at least one geeky thing on your Christmas wish list this year. See, we do... We go through a website that's called checkedtwice.com because my family has decided that more often than not, when we want something we tend to end up buying it because it's within at least some kind of reach for us. So we always end up either buying something stupid that none of us actually wanted or buying something that we already bought for ourselves. I, I do that, See, we have like a full-on moratorium. You cannot buy anything for yourself in October, November, December. That, that, that's a solid rule. But, so what we did with this website, and there are other websites like it, but uh, it's basically you put up a list, and then people can claim stuff off that list without you knowing it. So that other members of your family, yeah, other members of your family, right, they can see that, okay, so-and-so is buying this for him, but 
you know, they won't be able to see it, but you'll be able to see, oh yeah, so-and-so got that, so I need to get this instead. We do something similar with the Amazon wish list, but it doesn't seem quite as efficient as that. Oh, this is this is super efficient. I'm I'm really liking this this whole website. Now I'll probably put a link to it when I post this. Yeah, I totally am gonna use that next year because the thing is, is that my family, like, you know you've heard of like love languages. Oh yeah. Like back in the day uh, Gift Givers are you? Gary Smalley, I think it was, whatever. We are gift givers, okay? We are, like, the master Christmas gift givers. And anybody who joins our family eventually, like, earns their black belt in gift giving. Gets brought into the fold. Yeah, so, you know, we uh, we have, like, requirements. You know, there's, there's, like, secret information passing back and forth between family members. Uh, you know, things get shipped to fake names. Uh, you know, I wow. mean, all kinds of crazy, uh, just to make sure that nobody knows what they got before the day, and, you know, it, in, you have to have, you can't just have five items on your Christmas list if you're in my family, that's not acceptable. <laughs> you, ha- you have to have enough so that you can't get everything on your Christmas list. Oh, well, yeah, well, I, I set up this website so the fact that I don't have to add anything for the next, like, three years of Christmas. Okay, week. well, so there you go. So, and well, and let's, the vast let's, majority uh, of them being board things. games. Let's try to add some things to other people's Christmas list, then. How about that? I recommend it. All right, so I did my Christmas, uh, my top five Christmas list for gamers uh, in order of expense. Mike, I know you did it a little bit differently. I kind of did it partly on just a random collection of games and partly due to just how much fun I had with them. Uh, the, that doesn't mean that number five, I didn't have a lot of fun with. Trust me. When I explain to you what number five is, you're going to realize that would be utterly wrong. Uh, but the, there are some that are more lighthearted kind of, you know, light games. And then it gets a little bit more hardcore. And then it goes to, which I'm sure if you've been listening to the past month or so of this podcast, you probably know what I'm going to tell you at number one. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, it's a late, it, it, it progresses. We'll just get to it. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. So Mike, what is your number five item on the Christmas wish list for geeks and gamers? It came out, it got demoed at Gen Con. It got announced at Gen Con. It is now available. It is a little game of meeples and monsters referred to as Rampage. Uh, Okay. Rampage is basically a game where each player plays giant monsters who are destroying a city. And like you get the old point- school video game? Oh yeah. It's definitely oh, awesome. I don't think it's an exact license, but I will say that it is highly, highly motivated by the same kind of mentality. Uh, and you basically set up a city with meeples uh, being the citizens, and they help build the buildings. And you can do everything from blowing buildings down as if you have kind of uh, powerful breath. You can pick up buses and flick little wooden buses at other stuff to knock them in. Oh my goodness. By the time you're done, everything is destroyed and everyone has had a blast. It is is amazing. Awesome. (laughs) Luke, what is your number five? Uh, My number five, it comes in at about 20 bucks. And that is a game called Forbidden Desert. Now, you've heard us talk an awful lot about Forbidden Island. Forbidden Desert is basically just the follow-up to that. Uh, it, it adds a little bit more uh, in terms of gameplay, but, but for the most part, it's the same thing. This is a great family game, okay? 
Uh, and of course, Forbidden Island is too, and you can even get Forbidden Island for less than Forbidden Desert. Uh, but this is a great game that you could give to your nephew, you could give to your dad, you could give to anybody who has any interest in board games, even if they're not like a hardcore board gamer. This is the kind of game that you could totally play on Christmas Eve, or Thanksgiving, or whatever, just with the whole group of family, the aunts and the uncles and the cousins and the sisters and the brothers, and you'd have a good time playing uh, Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Island, for that matter. So that's my five. No, your f- number five is Rampage. Mine's Forbidden Desert. What was your number four? My number four is the last of the the really lighthearted games on the on this list. But I will say, yeah, you have to experience this game. I can barely even describe it. It's just that amazing. It's called Escape: Curse of the Temple. Okay, roll some dice. It is roll some dice. Uh, the whole concept behind it is you're exploring this temple and every player is, is trying to get through it and place gems throughout the temple to remove the gems in order to escape the temple. The craziness is, uh, there's a couple different reasons this is crazy and crazy fun as well. Uh, first off, you're not going in turns. You are all going at the same time and all screaming and all rolling and Everything's going nuts at the same time. Two, there is a CD that comes with this game with a time with a, a kind of timed musical track to it at 10 minute intervals. Once the, once you hear a gong, you have to get back to, to the starting spot or your guy is done and you lose. All the while, there are you might have your dice locked because if you roll like this black mask, that die is locked until you roll the golden mask. And so you have, you're trying to roll the right stuff to move to the next area or put a gem or pick up a treasure or anything like that. And you find yourself with, with five, I think it's five dice, five black masks. So you have to scream out for some of your buddies to come running back to help you out, to get unlocked so that you can run to the, oh my goodness, this game is nuts and you need to play it. (laughs) Awesome. You can kind of tell a little bit the kind of games that Mike likes. Oh yeah. See, see, any kind of real time board game freaks me out. Oh, if you have if you have anxiety issues, Escape Curse of the Temple is not the kind of game you're looking for. Oh my goodness! Just last week, I played a game called Echo, and it's a real time game. And it, I, it, it, I go back and forth between like I want to win this game, and I just want to cry, and I want to punch <laughs> the dude next to me. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, but you know what? Hey. More power to you. If you can handle that and you've got the intestinal fortitude for that, uh, good on you, man. Good on you. There we go. So, Luke, what about your number four? My number four game, we are upping the price to $90 this time. That is a leap. We are climbing up the list on the quick, uh, and that is a game called Caverna. It is just out, like, right now. Ah, Agricola 2. Agricola 2. It is a game for hardcore gamers. Okay, you, this is not a game that somebody who just has never played a board game, you don't want to give it to them, okay? Because this game's got like 17 different mechanics all crammed into one game. And it's huge, and it has like like hundreds of pieces, and it's really expensive for a board game. At $90, I don't think there are any board games that are more expensive than that, unless they're out of print and you're buying them like old copies on eBay. But it's crazy expensive. So expensive that I would never buy it for myself. 
which for me that that's a good category for gifts, right? Oh yeah. Like something that, you know, you'd never get for yourself because it's it's kind of frivolous. It's awesome, but it's frivolous and and I even I I don't remember where I wrote about this somewhere on the blog or the podcast or whatever. It's a game that will probably for me never cross my buck an hour rule. Okay. So, so I don't think I'd ever get 90 hours of fun out of this game. But that means I wouldn't buy it for myself. That doesn't mean I wouldn't have fun with it if somebody bought it for me. And so, for me, that's a good good spot for a gift. And that's a, a game called Caverna. So, Mike, we are on to number three. You've already gone, uh, you're getting a little crazy on me, so what, what's your number three? Now, now, at number three is where we start making a pivot here on my list, because I had my light, you know, family-friendly, oh my goodness, this is crazy games. Now we're getting more into the hardcore. Uh, a game that recently, this this game pretty much made the list due to, one, the hype behind it, two, it is amazing, and three, the component quality is fantastic. It's a little game called Terra Mystica. Okay. Terra Mystica just got released not that long ago. I think it was a, I think it was maybe like available in Europe before then, but it only recently got uh, released around here, and it got released to huge, huge hype. Anybody who had played it at a convention or anything was just coming back and saying this is the greatest game ever. And the whole concept is that you are basically playing as a kind of a fantastical race. You are. Uh, trying to connect your land across this this the across the the game board basically, and you're trying to terraform everything so it's it's your type of land, and all the while other people are grabbing their own and there's there's like eighteen bazillion different levels that this game works on, and yet it's still very playable. Every every person has their own game board, and it it guides you like if you have one of these you get two gold and one magic power and you know, everything is really laid out for you, even though it has this level of complexity that is ridiculous. So I like the combination of it's got the depth, but that depth is not beyond somebody who hasn't played it yet. And so that that's why Terra Mystica is number three for me. What about Very you, nice. Luke? Well, uh, for my number three spot, I upped the price to somewhere in the neighborhood of $150. You could go more. You could maybe go a little bit less, depending on the options that you choose, but also I change a little bit and we're sending us into the world of role-playing games. Okay. And that is a set of Dwarven Forge dungeon tiles. I almost put them on. I, I was I went back and forth as to whether I was going to go with that. Okay, again, this for me is a perfect gift because you absolutely do not need these to play any game. No. But they are so awesome that anybody playing a role-playing game would be thrilled to sit down at a table with this, these components. Uh, we've talked about them in previous shows, I think, but it, just in case, uh, it's basically 3D dungeon maps, and the parts and pieces, and the whole system is modular, so as, as a game master, you can, you can change them based on what your needs are, uh, there's actually a wide variety of them. There's the kind of the medieval dungeon. There's the classic, you know, dungeon crawl dungeon. I think they might even have some sci-fi stuff going now. But if they don't, there's other companies who are doing a very similar product. That's that true. Do. That's true. And uh, and then also they have all kinds of like accessories. You know, they have different doors and different 
they might have like different lock boxes and things like that that are just really really completely unnecessary but really really cool you know they this was a company that kickstarted when they did the kickstarter some of those original uh options were really inexpensive uh and now uh, you you have to kind of buy the whole sets and they're much more expensive uh but they are awesome and uh, if you have a a uh, dungeon master in your life, he or she would flip for these. So, uh, Dwarven Forge Dungeon Tiles is my number three. Very cool. All right, man. How about your number two? We're getting toward the top. Yeah, the next two, you can tell they made it to the top because these are things that I have been referencing a lot lately. Uh, I just recently, as in earlier today, at, at the time we're recording this, I wrote uh, an article for the Inroads site about this game, and I I've been playing it as much as is humanly possible. I'm still getting into all the nooks and crannies of the the rules and the craziness, but it's so good. It is a game called City of Remnant. Okay. City of Remnant is by the good people at Plaid Hat. Again, totally we love those like. guys. We do. And uh, City of Remnant, you're basically playing as each player is a a gang leader who is in charge of a gang trying to vie for control of the city of Remnant. Uh, the city is pretty much the... It's a giant refugee camp that was a... It's the husk of a former city that has been destroyed and kind of co-opted by these people called the Yugai, this alien race that is conquering people across the galaxy and dumping the refugees here in the city. So I didn't is, make the hey you guys joke. I would just like to point that out. I appreciate that. No problem. Continue. But, uh, so this game, on on one level, it is just a blast. The strategy is fantastic. There's a lot of different levels going on here, a lot of different mechanics that probably doesn't sound like it should work here. There's a, there's bidding and auctioning. There's uh, production and, and distribution. There's recruiting of, of gang members. There's all this stuff that is happening over top of each other, and it seems like it would be a jumbled mess, but it works together so well. And uh, if you want to go for the the kind of under undercurrent of this game, the kind of questions it made me ask when I get to play it, I, you go ahead and, and uh, check out the article I did for Inroads. It it's a really great game, and I would highly recommend it. All right, my f- number four, I, I think it's going to be a little bit... It's not what you would expect. Uh, it's going to come in uh, at least 200 and way up, way, way up after that, maybe up to 600 bucks. You know, one of the, the things that we kind of all struggle with as gamers is if you want to play a board game, you have to find other people who want to play board games. Yes, you do. And... Depending on where you are, that can be tough, and we we really are trying to address that within Roads Ministries. We're trying to, to to expand the world, but but we all know that you know. I, I mean, I talk about it all the time. I'm an hour away from our game store, so I have to to commit an hour drive there, an hour drive back, just to go to game night. Um, and so the there's an option for people who maybe want to get into gaming and they don't know too many people or they live in a place where there aren't very many people who play board games and that is to get yourself a tablet and there are so many great games on tablets today Uh, I just saw that Lords of Waterdeep has come out for iOS yes and I'm Uh, very jealous with my Android machine that I cannot purchase this and see that's the thing 
you know, I don't particularly like iOS tablets because I feel like they're overpriced. However, without a doubt, in the board game world, iOS has the win. Okay, there are so many board games available for iOS. Uh, Lords of Waterdeep I just mentioned, uh, Small Worlds on iOS, almost every uh, Kenitsa game is on iOS. Uh, there's I, I, there's a ton. I'm not thinking of them at the moment, but they're there. There's a lot of games. Uh, Puerto Rico um, is on iOS. Uh, and that doesn't mean uh, there Ascension. aren't games. That doesn't mean there aren't right. games on Android too, because currently on the tablet that I have, I have uh, Mr. Jack Pocket. I've got Elder Sign. I've got Ticket to Ride. So there's uh, there's options yeah. there as well. Uh, Ticket to Ride uh, can't stop. Elder Sign, uh, Flux, all of these are games that are out there for a tablet. Uh, of course, don't just buy a tablet because you want to play board games unless you've got money to burn. Uh, do your research, figure out which tablet uh, is best for whoever you're buying this for, you know, but it's a really good option for board gaming. Now, there's an argument about whether or not it's really board gaming. But you know what? Sometimes beggars can't be choosers. This is true. So you work and with what you can get. What you can you get. work with what you get. All right. So we've done our top four. Here it is, our number one gift. I have a strange premonition <laughs> that I can guess what Mike's going to say. But let's hear it. I'm going to say Android Netrunner, of course oh, I I'm am. Oh, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm be bamboozled. Really? What did you think I was going to put? Of course you were going to say Netrunner. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, you can't, you, you, you're silly if you think I'm going to say anything else. Android Netrunner has been officially declared by me as my new favorite game to play. I enjoy the heck out of this. I am trying to recruit more and more people to play this game. I, I think I, I sent the link to the fact that Cool Stuff was doing a Black Friday sale of Netrunner for something like 20 bucks, I was sending that to everybody, just trying to get more people to play this game with me. Uh, it is a ton of fun. You are either playing as the corporations trying to advance their agendas, or you're playing as the hackers who are trying to stop the corporations from doing their dastardly deeds. I love the heck out of this game. And I can point you to the past, like, month or so of podcast if you want to hear me go into more depth as to why I love this. So, Luke, what's your top? I think... can I, I'm going to hazard a guess as well. Okay. Now, in case you're wondering, guys, we did not talk about this ahead of time. So, I'm going to hazard a guess. Based on your ever-arcing, you know, upwards price range... It's not what you think. You're not going to go to the Geek Chic table? Oh, I am gonna go with the Geeky Table. Yes, How did you, you are. Do that? Yes, you are. How did you do that? I tell the tell the people about Geeky. <laughs> I thought you were gonna guess a uh, a console. Nope. Tell the tell the people about Geeky. Oh, I can't believe it. All right, twenty seven fifty is the base price for this table, but it is essentially uh, the emissary. It is the ultimate gaming table by an amazing company called Geek Chic. Um these things are all bespoke. You have to, you order it. They make it for you. It's all like handcrafted, incredible. You choose the kind of felt that you want on top. It's you the kind of the it's the kind of product that you literally have to call up and talk to one of their people 
about what you want in your table. Like, it is handmade for you to order. Like, if I did not have children and probably not a wife, I would buy this for my table at home. My my but... wife said, oh, I'd love to get a new dining room table, and I might have suggested getting a Geek Chic table, and she might have just laughed at me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I actually had the same conversation with my wife at one point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were uh, at, uh, I was at KublaCon and I had a chance to come, uh, to actually see the Geek Chic tables. Oh, they're and so pretty. Now, here's the thing, folks, is is woodworking is one of my hobbies, okay? I know what good furniture looks like, okay? This is real deal beautiful craftsmanship okay these are dovetailed corners these are uh, absolutely beautiful woods they are works of art and uh, you know I can never afford one uh, it's completely ridiculous but I figured what the heck it's Christmas I'd shoot for the moon <laughs> there it is yeah, i i saw the I saw the arc on the prices, and I was I was looking at them myself earlier today just to remind myself how pretty they were. Right, and yeah, they're so gorgeous. All right, folks. So that's our top five gifts for gamers for this Christmas of 2013. And now we have been waiting for like a year to have this conversation. Yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah, we have. And if you have not. Seen the day of the doctor. Fix that. Go away. Fix it now. <laughs> Press pause. Go away. Fix it. It's available all over the place. Okay, you can watch it if you want. <laughs> uh, they, there's there's BBC. also little there's also little mini episodes that hit on oh, on. BBC. We have to talk about those mini episodes. The and, one is awesome. Yeah, the other one's kind of lame, but the one is awesome. <laughs> okay, so. I don't even know how to begin to frame this conversation, Mike. It's <laughs> it been is a quite while. the daunting task. <laughs> it's been a while since we've talked about Doctor Who. In fact, I don't think we've talked about Doctor Who uh, during this series. No, it it's yeah. I mean, we I think we had one episode de- dedicated to the Doctor right around like a Christmas episode or something. Right. But um, but but let's start with uh, let's start with Clara. Okay, we're going to jump into the story. Uh, We have our 12th Doctor, 11th, 12th Doctor. Let's see, which one are we on? Well, it depends. If you bring in the John Hurt Doctor, we we have Matt Smith, okay? And uh, he is the 11th Doctor. And uh, the final, this last season, uh, we also know, and we've talked about this briefly on the show, that. His run as the Doctor is coming to an end here in just a, just about a month. Yes, that's not spoilers. Um, that's been announced like crazy. That's been announced lots. Um, uh, but he has, uh, for most of his time, had uh, Rory and Amy... Pond? His name is... I don't remember. But Pond? He, he, <laughs> uh, the Ponds? <laughs> the Ponds. There we go. So we've had uh, the Ponds for most of his time. Uh, they went away. And oh boy, did season, they. Yeah, and this season we have been introduced to Clara. And uh, Clara, throughout the season, has had this this strange thing happening about her that she uh, appears at various times in the Doctor's life. 
and uh, we get to an episode called The Name of the Doctor, which is really, from what I understand, the first in the three parts, The Name of the Doctor, The Day of the Doctor, and our Christmas special coming up. Yes. Um, so, let's, uh, let's start with The Name of the Doctor. Uh, we have the, uh, the Doctor uh, revealing one of his great secrets, a secret that, in fact, he doesn't even know about. Uh, he is going to be told where he is buried, and presumably where he died. Um, and in, in, in the midst of a great battle, I might add. Yes, and uh, as he he gets there, he is faced with uh, what is left of a Time Lord when they are gone. Uh, what is left of a Time Traveler when they are gone, and that is a a pocket, if you will, of messed up time. Time that has been affected by the Time Traveler's actions. And uh, an evil force called the Great Intelligence infiltrates his life. And we look around and we begin to see that all of the effects that the Doctor has had on the universe are beginning to be deleted. And our heroine, Clara, uh, she takes a dive into uh, the Doctor's life, if you will, to defeat the Great Intelligence, restore everything the way it was supposed to be, and uh, in the end, everybody's happy and good, which was not what I was expecting. Uh, so that is the name of the Doctor. Now we come to the Day of the Doctor. The 50-year anniversary event. Alright, before we jump into that, though, let's talk about all of the stuff surrounding the 50th anniversary. Sure. Uh, a lot of specials. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot. Um, a lot of retrospectives. Of course, for a while now, they've been doing the uh, the Doctors Revisited. Yes, this is true. Which have been kind of cool little... Uh, Little, you know, biographies of each of the actors that have played each of the uh, the 11 actors, or I guess there was only 10 until, until recently, um, who've played the Doctor. And, uh, you know, for me that was interesting, because I knew, I mean, I knew about William Hartnell because I actually, you know, I went and rented the movies and watched some of those early episodes because I, I just kind of wanted to see how it started. And clearly I was not alive at the time, so... You know, and I know Tom Baker because, I don't know, he kind of is the doctor. Tom Baker is my doctor. You know, I mean, he's not for me, but it's kind of like everybody knows William Shatner, you know? Right. Um, And so it's the guy with the scarf, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that you kind of just know, and it was, I think, probably the longest running, right? Uh, uh, if I don't think so, actually. I think... I, I think there was... I mean, he was one of the longest He was a long-running one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I didn't even really know who any of the other Doctors were so oh, much. Like, there's I, some really good ones in there. Like, uh, because I just wasn't a show that I watched until the refresh in 2005. Um, so those were pretty cool for me to watch and to be able to kind of... And uh, some of them had some clips attached to it and things like that and... Uh, even some full episodes attached to it, you could kind of watch and and get to know what it was like for Doctor Who, the show at those at those different points in history. Um, and then they threw out these little 
mini episodes, I think they call them. Yes. The the we're gonna throw these up on like YouTube and BBC their internet their okay. website. And so that happened. Uh, also, at the end of the name of the Doctor, something happened. Um, and we are introduced to a new Doctor. Oh yeah. Um. So we are introduced to uh, the real ninth Doctor. Uh, they are calling him. They call him the War Doctor, the though. War I don't doctor. think. I don't think there's anywhere in the show that it's actually. He's that term is used. No, they they uh, they, I, they I added him like, for the fiftieth. Yeah. I th- so for me, I didn't realize that. Right. So at the end of uh, the name of the Doctor, Clara and the Doctor are standing in this scar in this in this energy pocket that is the Doctor's life that is all of time that he has altered and changed, and you're watching, and uh, it's it's one of the times, and they've done it a couple of times, and they do it a lot in the Day of the Doctor, where uh, you're seeing echoes of the old Doctors, which I think is really sweet. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's just awesome that they they went through all of the energy and time to pull out that video and, and integrate it into the new show. Uh, I think it's really, really cool. They've been doing that but, for a while because it, the very first episode, the very first full episode with Matt Smith, uh, he actually asks the alien in question to kind of look through the, the data banks mm, of videos. Yeah, that's right. And they say, look up the doctor and, and it you, goes you through all faces, of them. Right. And as it's, as it's showing David Tennant, he then walks through and, and he kind of says, yes, I'm the 11th doctor. I'm like, yeah, it's so cool. Um, but there, then uh, an older fella <laughs> turns, uh, and, and the Matt Smith version of the doctor basically says, no, you're not the doctor to that guy. Like there's some, some fella there that he's ignoring or that he doesn't want to remember. And of course, like I, I mentioned earlier, right? I'm not super familiar with all of the Doctors, especially the Eighth Doctor, because he was only around for one movie. They only did the movie, Paul McGann. That I yeah. that I never saw, right? And I just assumed that was like the old version of one of the earlier Doctors, like the guy who was playing that John something. John, John Hurt. John Hurt. I assumed he was an earlier Doctor. That I just was one of the ones that I didn't know about. And they they were bringing him back for this, so when I kind of when it first clicked into my brain, oh wait a minute, this is not a doctor we have known before. That was like blow to mind, kaboom. Well, when they uh, when they reloaded the series and they they rebooted everything and they brought in uh, Christopher Eccleston, that was the, that was the big question. How did we get from Paul McGann to Christopher Eccleston? Because right. they never showed it. Well, and, and I think what I assumed, and probably what everybody assumed, and we can talk about why we're wrong, and what the causes of the fact that we're wrong for are, but, uh, was that Christopher Eccleston was the war doctor. Uh, that Christopher Eccleston was the one who who did whatever needed, whatever happened to destroy the Daleks and the Time Lords. Right, um, but that was a huge, there was a, a large quantity of was, assumption that was, there. That, that was never said. Um... Now, it's very clear at this point, Christopher, Christopher Eccleston wants nothing to do with Doctor Who. The guy is not involved at all, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. 
there's probably a lot of money he's leaving on the table. But besides that, so I don't know whether it's because Christopher Eccleston didn't want to take that role or if they had already planned to bring in another doctor to to take that role. But essentially, as the story unfolds, we find out that there was another regeneration of the Doctor that he never speaks of. The Ninth Doctor. Uh, and the mini-episode uh, called The Night of the Doctor brings back the Eighth Doctor poem again. And he uh, is shown at the end of his life, and we see his regeneration, which I think was awesome. Oh, yeah. I love that you know, episode. That little mini-episode. You know, I mean, the fact that we've always kind of wondered, well, what was up with the Time War, right? Um, and so that gave it a little bit of reality, you know, that there would be this kind of, uh, in this mini-episode, there's this weird, like, sort of coven of witches or something that that clearly have some power, um, but they are concerned because the universe is burning. The whole universe, time and space and everything, is dying. And so, in this little ep- mini-episode, one, we get to see Paul McGann, who, like, again, he was only in the movie, so I think it's really cool that they brought him back for this. And we get to see the regeneration into the Ninth Doctor, the War Doctor. But also, we get this context for why the Ninth Doctor's life is going to be so strange. And there is this thing at the end of that mini-episode where the, the, the women are saying, what do you need in this regeneration? This regeneration's not going to be random. This generation, we can give you everything you need for the life that is coming up. And he answers in a very un-doctor-like way. He says, I need to be a warrior. And the end of the episode, you see him taking up a gun. Which, you know, the Doctor does not carry a gun. And so that gets us into the storyline of the day of the Doctor. Man, I, I just spent like 15 minutes and we haven't even gotten to the episode yet. Oh, there, there's so... I told <laughs> When we started talking about we're going to talk about the Doctor, I, this is going to be a long episode, guys. Just just bear with us. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, let's see. What, what should we do here? Should I, we just do kind of a review of what happened on the show? Or... I, I think we can... I don't know. I, I, I think if we do that, we're going to have like a four-hour episode on our hands. Yeah, I think, you know, the long and the short is this. We are taken to Gallifrey, to uh, the second largest city in Gallifrey called Arcadia, um, where the doctor is making his decision about what he is going to do. The war between the Daleks and the Time Lords has been raging. The entire Dalek army is now surrounding Gallifrey, and in the meantime, back home, uh, Doctor Eleven, Matt Smith Doctor, and Clara are summoned to, uh, uh, it was a museum, right? The Undergallery. The Undergallery of uh, the British Museum, and uh, there is a piece of Time Lord art, and uh, Time Lord art is is uh, different than normal art. It's bigger on the inside. It is a moment frozen in time. Right. And the uh, the picture is the fall of Gallifrey. And, or Gallifrey Falls. And you see that 
something has left that image and entered into uh, into our modern world. So uh, we've got the doctor who is at home here, Doctor Eleven, trying to figure out what has left that image and entered into our world, and and what problems do we have that doing that? And it turns out that they brought back a uh, uh, an old Doctor Who villain that uh, I don't think we've seen in quite a while. Um, but we're going back and forth between the modern world and the War Doctor. The War Doctor, it turns out, has broken into the vaults of the Time Lords, stolen a weapon called the Moment. The Moment. And uh, the it. Moment is somehow, we aren't actually really told how, uh, but capable of destroying the entire galaxy uh, where the war between the Time Lords and the Daleks is taking place. It is the way that the Doctor right. was able to destroy all the Daleks and the Time Lords and all of their allies and basically make the Doctor who he now, is by being the last now of the Time this Lords. weapon is so powerful that the weapon itself becomes sentient and develops a conscience, a conscience. which then uh, forces the user to confront that conscience. That conscience takes the form of Rose Tyler, uh, which is a little strange since she hasn't happened yet, but hey, whatever, <laughs> uh, in the, the War Doctor's life. But uh, so we now have the War Doctor having to decide, does he want to use this weapon or not? Well, in that process, there is a time tear that happens. And the War Doctor <laughs> and our Doctor and... David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor, find themselves brought together. And the three Doctors now not only solve the problems in the present, but also have to go through, was it worth it to make this decision? And for the rest of the episode, we basically are seeing the differences between the Doctors. You have the War Doctor, who hasn't made the choice yet. You have... David Tennant, who is still fresh from making that choice. He is still, you know, the doctor with all of the rage that David Tennant brought to that role. And then you have the Matt Smith doctor, who is, he, he's healing, right? He's becoming better again. He, he, he's fallen in love. He, he's, uh, you know, made good friends with the pawns. He's uh, now... You got this relationship with Clara happening, and he's better. He's almost even forgotten that he's the same doctor as the war doctor who pressed the button to destroy all of the Daleks and the Time Lords. And so we see them arguing with each other about whether or not this was the right thing to do. And and there are so many little just heartbreaking and just gut-wrenching moments. Like, even... Cast aside for a minute all the, the crazy little stuff that Whovians have been with the story since the beginning now. Because there yes, are lots the of those. Yes, the scarf makes a pretty prominent uh, appearance. And that's just that's the least of them. But uh, there's just so many great moments. Like at one point, like we said, the moment has the, the control, the operating system of the moment has a conscience. And it, it so basically you have built... Uh, 
Billy Piper there as the embodiment of this conscience, which is you know, patterned off of, of Rose. And she basically looks at him and says, how many children are on Gallifrey right now? And later, later on, you have the war doctor asking the other doctors, have you ever counted? And, and it's really great because they, the, basically the doctors get identified. It's the one who regrets, which is the John Hurt, the one who actually pushed the button. The one who remembers, which is David Tennant, who answers, I forget, it's like four billion yeah. something. He, resp- he responds immediately with the number of children there were. And then David, and then, uh, not right. David Tennant, I just said that. Then Matt Smith, who comes back with, I have right. no idea. Why, why would I, and he is, why would I want to remember? He is the man who, he is the man who forgets because right. he has to, because to remember it is too right. terrible. And so they're going through this process and they come together at the end of the story. And John Hurt, having seen David Tennant and Matt Smith and known what they've done for the universe, decides that he has to do what he did. As he's doing it, two TARDISes appear and outstep David Tennant and Matt Smith. We presume to stop him. But in fact, they're not. They are coming to join him. So that he's not alone when he has to do this. And just as they are about to hit the button, Clara steps in and, and stops them. She is their conscience, as the companion always is. And in a flash of insight, starting with Matt Smith and moving its way back to, to uh, David Tennant and to John Hurt, they all understand what they can do. They understand that it would be possible, using all of their skills to take the entirety of the planet of Gallifrey and freeze it in a moment in time. And so we are brought back into this moment. Gallifrey is literally about to fall, and you hear the Doctor communicating with the Time Lord's leadership. This is what we're going to do. We are going to lock you up in a moment, freeze the people of Gallifrey. At the very least, that will give them hope. And in the process, all of the Daleks are going to hit each other in the crossfire and blast the living life out of each other. And you get this awesome experience where who could do this? Not even two doctors could do it. Not even three doctors can do it. Nope. But 13 can. Oh, and and I'm sorry. I was I, like, oh I my goodness, Tommy. When he said, when he said, he said, oh, look, 12 of them. Uh, no, no, 13. And then there was the moment when Peter Capaldi's eyebrows owned the internet. <laughs> uh, and so all of the doctors show up from William Hartnell all the way on down. Uh, and you've got uh, this, this working together where... Uh, they all use all of their TARDIS sigh, TARDISes, and uh, they freeze Galfrey. Uh, we finally we get to the uh, the end of the episode, where we now realize that basically what Peter Capaldi's mission is going to be is to rediscover Galfrey, is to find them and to bring them back. Um, at the end, there is this weird little coda where uh, Tom Baker shows up as the curator. Uh, which to me was like that's strange. That's completely out of context. And but who cares? It's just cool. And I uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't so, care. I 
I I I may or may not yeah. have teared up. And at so that point. you know that's uh, that is the day of the doctor. Uh, we've got one more story left with Matt Smith, and um, that'll be coming here in about a month. And and. For, uh, there might be some Whovians out there who understand the weight of this because way back in in the history of Doctor Who, I forget what the actual episode was, I believe it was with Tom Baker's Doctor, they said that a Time Lord can only have so many regenerations before th- they've used them all up. So that means there could that magic be number d- Doctors. And we thought we were on 12, but in fact we were on 13. So what we're saying is, no, it, it's actually it's eleven regenerations, twelve I it doctors. Was twelve regenerations. No, it's eleven regenerations right, leading see, to twelve doctors, got an extra doctor. which means that that Matt Smith, because of the addition of John Hurt as the the ninth doctor, Matt Smith would be the twelfth and final doctor. And Stephen Moffat has said, now granted, he also said that he was going to reveal the name of the doctor in the name of the doctor, but. Stephen Moffat has said, I can't unwrite that. That has been part of the lore since the beginning, pretty much. And he goes, he goes, and he has straight up been quoted as saying, Matt Smith is the last doctor. So I want to know how they're going to do the workaround, how they're going to fix this, because there's no way they can do this show without it being the doctor. And so I know there's some kind of weird kind of roundabout way that they're going to make it work. And I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, so, you know, it's hard whenever we get a new Doctor. There's always the question marks that it raises, but that's next time. We'll talk about that in December. What did you think? I mean, we've been, this has been, they've been building up for this for ever. I mean, there's like a whole year's worth of, it's the 50th anniversary. This is going to be the biggest deal ever. I'm not kidding. I, I did tear up a little bit at a couple different spots. There's a couple different moments where I got really emotional. I this was everything I hoped it would be. I mean, I it was it was freaking beautiful. It gave just enough fan service that the guys who've been watching for a long time, such as myself, really appreciated, but not so much that people who only just started with, say, you know, uh, Christopher Eccleston are going to get lost. They won't. Actually, I think they really did a good job of tying it all together, and it. It it, 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 was it did something that they rarely do in Doctor Who, and that is explain stuff. Um, you know, right. kind of the mystery is often part and parcel of Doctor Who. You know, we don't know his name. We don't know what happened. And for a long time, there was this weird eighth to ninth gap, Doctor Gap, where we didn't know. We knew there was this thing called the Great Time War. Uh, we knew that the Doctor finished it, and that the way he finished it was bad. But we didn't know what happened. And we certainly didn't know there was another doctor stuck in there. Right. And so the fact that they answered some of those questions was was rare. And, you know, I, I imagine we're probably not going to get much more of that for another 50 years. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, for me, and again, I, I started with Christopher Eccleston. So, so all of the older doctors to me, they were just, you know, people you see on TV every now and again. They weren't special but it's the kind of thing where you know like, i mean i guess it's thanksgiving right now so I, yeah i've been watching since i was realize, a small boy sitting you know, we, at my grandfather's feet watching the doctor watching this 
I, I, I've watched, like, there's one line that I absolutely adored in in the 50th anniversary. It was when they're jumping, and the TARDIS, the TARDIS is jumping between kind of eras, mm-hmm. because with all three of them there, it doesn't know which version of right. itself it should be. And so at one point, it, it they kind of voip into this one with, with the round kind of weird decorations in the background. And Matt Smith looks at David Tennant and goes, ooh, the round things. Do you remember the round things? And David Tennant goes, I, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> and, and, and I literally shouted out at my screen, I remember the round things. <laughs> uh, you know, and so for me, I, I like the fact that it gave it a new fan, like me, a new fan, I guess. I've been a fan for uh, eight years now. Um, but it gave right. me that... Well, when when the show's been yeah, around for fifty years, right, you're yeah. considered a new um, fan. But that gave me a chance to join in the grounding of the show, um, and I think also you know the, the kind of thing that maybe wasn't as important in the past, but is more so now that we really want to see the Doctor develop as a character. Oh yeah, and this <laughs> this episode did it. Um, it. It was a pretty significant. Uh, development not only of the character but of the timeline and of the world and or the the universe i guess uh and uh, left open a whole lot of strange possibilities we could have future time lords oh, i'm oh, it I, it's so good i this show is just it's way better than any show has a right to be cuz it really does balance well between the really silly goofiness of, you know, dealing with a time stream of timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff. And at the same point, giving these really intense, really kind of deep moments, often in the same episode. It's just so good. I, I almost want to do, like, an entire... Like, maybe I'll do a bonus content of all the that weird would be actually, That eggs. would be kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, the DVD Blu-ray is available. Uh, or... Is it? It's possible I, I, it's only I, available I, for pre-order, but uh, I've seen it up for sale. I, I remember I looked at Susan the minute the uh, episode was over, and I said, I, "I don't care that I've just seen it. I don't care that we recorded it." The second I, this I comes think on it's going to have really we're, cool. We're getting a copy. I'd like to know what the uh, uh, bonus features are uh, for that. Oh yeah. Well, I I also if we're talking about other stuff as well because we're we're clearly going over our time here. Um, apparently, afterwards, after the whole fiftieth got recorded and everything like that, uh, Peter Davison, who played the Fifth Doctor, created and starred in and gathered up a, a bunch of the other Doctors. Uh, he did his own little internet-based video that was called the Five-ish Doctors. And it was pretty much a a short film of these other doctors trying to get screen time out of the 50th That's anniversary. <laughs> so it was like Peter Davison, it was uh, Sylvester McCoy, I forget who else he had on there, but it was basically all these guys who had played the doctor, and they're like picketing outside of the BBC saying, no classic doctors, no 50th anniversary. <laughs> So good, like everything about this is magnificent, and I I will totally claim Hoovian fanboyness, and you know I'm not you're not looking for hard biting commentary here. I I 
the the best thing I can say about this episode was it brought me back to being that little kid. Like I could practically hear my grandfather. I mean, I it it was so meaningful to me to be there to watch that. I mean, heck, my my wife and I literally changed our cable package hours before the episode aired so that we would have BBC America so that I could watch that, that it. That is commission, committed right there. Like, that's how... Yeah, th- that is how much I wanted to be a part of this because I it did. It made me feel like that little kid again. I, I, I could practically, like, feel myself. Like, if I looked back over my shoulder, I could practically see my grandfather... And and that that right there was was probably the most beautiful thing about the whole experience. There was lots of little Easter eggs, like oh yeah, this guy was there, and 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 this guy was was a companion from way back, and and this was this, and that was that, and really all it was was just reminding me about how much the show has been a part of my life, and the the joy of being that little kid who saw the universe opened up in front of him with a world of possibilities and in a, in a, a, a an entire galaxy and time stream of strangeness and it was it was really cool to be back in that kind of all you know, over again one of the things i love about the show and you know we try to connect the spiritual to this a lot of this episode has just been fanboying and you know we can do that every now and again but it occurs to me that the show Doctor Who really kind of reflects God's perception of time. Uh, and, you know, you think about, like, there's always these things, right? It's a fixed point. Heck, that's even that's even referenced in this episode. Uh, David Tennant looks to Matt Smith when, when John Hurt is about to push the button, and he says, this is a fixed right. point. We shouldn't be able and, to be here. You know, for me, what I hear when I see something like that is I picture prayer. You know, I'm the. Is God's knowledge of the future absolute? Yes. Can we pray and change things? Yes. That doesn't make sense. Okay? That it's a paradox. <laughs> uh, it's a paradox just like, you know, you can't have three doctors in one spot. The universe is going to tear itself apart. You can't be at a fixed point, but you can. And that is, to me, the beauty of Doctor Who is that that some there is a force beyond the doctor that somehow makes it so that time can change things can work out for the doctor and we don't travel in time back and forth but but there is this real sense in which god kind of does uh, you know he lives outside of time he knows what's going to happen uh he he knows what p- role we play in it way before we do uh, he knows how our life is going to unfold. And there was this beautiful line uh, in, I think it was actually in uh, the previous episode, um, The Name of the Doctor, where he's saying, I see all of my days, the good ones and the bad ones. You know, and before we're even born, God sees all of our days, the good ones and the bad ones. And, uh, you know, he's written that story, and yet we have every part to play in that story. And that's kind of who the Doctor is. Uh, you know, the, the story of history seems to have been written, and yet somehow he has this place and this part to tell in the story. And, uh, you know, I think that is 
that kind of crazy mind messy uppy thing is the beauty of faith you know i think that this is the kind of thing i you could just dig into this forever oh tr- trust me there's a reason why at least at at my current recording we're at about an hour and 10 minutes and we've only skimmed the surface of what happened on this episode we haven't talked about hardly any of the little easter eggy things and this is just one episode of the doctor so yeah there's a lot of stuff going on in it's this it's a big episode uh, yeah, and and so for me, though, as a fan, uh, I'm really happy. And, and you worry about those kind of things, right? You worry about, like, okay, here's the big deal episode. Is it going to be good? For me, I think it was really good. I think it was really true to what the show is about. It really says a lot, too, for, for the writing and the acting and everything involved, because really they've taken a timeline that has been well-established over decades of stories, both on television and in the audio and in books and all this stuff. This stuff has been well documented and they turned it on its head, which you would think would just outrage so many. But this was pretty much, as far as I can tell, there, there's, there's always going to be some people who don't like a thing. But by and large, this has been universally accepted and it turned the lore of the entire series on its head. Yeah, you know, that that actually did, as it was happening, I kind of thought, wait a minute, you can't do this. But you know what, you can, because it's Doctor Who. And I love the fact that they even addressed that, like, John Hurt goes back to his time stream and goes, I'm not going to remember any of this, am I? I'm going to go back and push that button. And and just the, the ridiculous nature of that, and then you realize, yeah, you're right, because you can't have this timeline where Matt Smith's doctor is fixing it, quote-unquote, while without John Hurt having already pushed that button. Uh, yep, mind blown. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of... And again, you know, I like I said, that is the nature of faith. This idea that there is a God who knows everything for whom the story is already written, it is unchangeable, and yet not just one Time Lord, but every last one of us plays a part. We all have God's ear. We all pray. We all seek His will. We all seek to change His will. And He allows it to happen. That doesn't work. Okay? You can't. You can't put those two ideas together and make them make sense. But they're both real. And, you know, that's one of the things I love about this show. Is they have no problem saying, here's idea one, here's idea two. They are completely incompatible, and yet they are both happening at the same time. So there. And and to give you an in-episode example of this, Queen Elizabeth, in the undergallery, had placed a fez. The reason she had this fez was because Matt Smith tossed her the fez, or or tossed the fez through the the time tear. But the reason Matt Smith had the fez to throw through the time tear is because Queen Elizabeth had put it in the undergallery. So how did it get there? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, You know, and they let the paradoxes just live. Right. Right. Which is really, I mean, honestly, if you're going to do a time travel thing, it's the only way you could do it. Yeah, there's just no way to make to sense just, of it otherwise. 
Yeah, you just have to let that happen. Let's just hope that at some point in the future, humans don't actually discover the ability to time travel. Oh, if we did, we would ruin everything. Because we would screw things up. We can't even figure out how to do things right when there's only one timeline. But guess what? God can. You know, for us, there's an infinite future. For him, there is just what is. And I find that really exciting. You know, well, that, and that's that, you know, it's it's really obvious for us to sit here and be like, you know, God is far beyond us. There's there's scripture and common logic which will tell you, well, of course he has to be. But just the concept that that God not only knows what was, what is, and what will be, he knows what could be. Right, and you know, all at the same time. And he is himself the author of time in and of itself. And so he lives outside of that. And so he looks in on time. And you're like, ah, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> we started this show 63 episodes ago. And we were talking about Dungeons and & Dragons. And we, we kind of hit on this statement that we use to close every episode, that God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. Here's the thing that we were talking about in that episode. We were talking about exactly what we're talking about right now. And that is, God is like a great game master. He's got his plan. He knows what's going to happen. But he lets us live life in a way where we don't remember that sometimes. Right. Where we are... We know that we are living and we are making the choices that we are making, the good ones and the bad ones. But we can trust that we have this God, this good God, who has the story in hand. And he's going to take us to the end that he has planned for us. And, you know, those things are both true. We are making the choices. We are doing really great things and really, really stupid things. (laughs) along the way and yet we know god has our story written already and you put those two things together and you say they don't go together you're right they don't go together but that's faith and i find that really exciting i think it's awesome that we have the freedom to make the decisions that we need to make in life that we have to make the fun decisions but also the really hard nasty ones you know just like the doctor has to make when he decides whether or not he's going to end the time war. But behind it all, there is this really solid knowledge that God is going to work it all together for good. And that, to me, is the message of Doctor Who. And Maybe they don't intend it to be, but that's the message I get out of it. I think it's a solid one. Yeah. Alright, folks, so we have gone really, really long on this episode. Apologize for that. Uh, but, you know, it was a big episode. It was the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. That's, uh, that only happens once. So, uh, hopefully you guys, uh, have gotten the chance to watch it. Uh, certainly, I really, really hope you didn't listen to all this and not having watched it. Uh, (laughs) but get out there and, uh, and enjoy all of the cool stuff that's going on around, uh, Doctor Who right now. Uh, and also enjoy your Christmas shopping season. Hopefully we, we were able to give you some good shopping advice. Mike, ooh, this one I think is new. We have all kinds of ways that people can connect with us these days. Oh my, yes we do. Alright, so so how does it all work now? Okay, let us begin. 
we begin with uh, what is now becoming our, our parent website of this podcast and hopefully a whole bunch of other stuff. Articles, YouTube videos, podcasts, etc. That is inroadsministries.com. Inroads, I-N-N. Inroads with two N's is basically <laughs> what I'm going to say. Uh, without having to spell out the entire thing. So it, it's Inroads Ministries, uh, in having two N's. And uh, you're also going to find our emails at mike at inroadsministries.com and luke at inroadsministries.com. You can also find still find us uh, on the Game Store Profits Twitter at, at GS Profits. You can find us at our email, GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. You can also find us... Oh my goodness, I'm running out of things. <laughs> Don't forget the Facebook. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Inroads Ministries. You can also find our, our uh, specifically podcast chat where we talk to you guys and get all the stuff that you guys find on the internet that we put on the internet uh, at Facebook.com dot com slash groups slash game store profits huh. i think you got them all uh folks we are so thankful that you hang out with us you know it is thanksgiving and uh, we really do give thanks for uh you guys listening because you guys listening lets us get to together and do this show every couple of weeks and we really enjoy that so thank you uh just ask you know keep spreading the word you guys have done such a good job with that uh And remember that God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.